Good morning and welcome. And uh, we, uh, we're living in, in trying times right now. We just don't see a lot of good going on. There's a, a, a lot of people displaced. We just had a special prayer for the situation in Afghanistan and for our own country. We uh, have enough going on right here. And uh, we've been looking in the past weeks at some of the roots of the problem and always that not having God first and foremost is definitely the root of all of our problems. And everything trickles down from that. We're going to look for some other things today that trickle down from it. The title of today's message is Facing Fear. And uh, we'll look into what that means today. First, let's just have a word of prayer to get us started. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you to take myself out of the way. Father, open our hearts and minds to receive the true message that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. And, uh, you know, I'm sure at some point in your life you've probably heard the expression that you have to, to stand up to a bully. And there, there's a reason for that. It's because... They're using a implied fear. Many times if you stand up to a bully, it breaks down that intimidation factor and it stops the process. Because many times a bully just uses fear. What they might do. What they are capable of. And in reality, they may not do anything or may be capable of anything. It's just that illusion. And we've talked about many times how Satan just uses an illusion, just loses an image, just uses an idea to intimidate us to bend to his will and shy away from the will of God. And we're going to look at that today right out of the Word, how this applies in the Word of God. And uh, we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 1. And I want to catch verse 7 to start off with. And in Exodus 1 and 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased in abundance and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled from them. And this is coming off of when Joseph went in. He became second underneath the Pharaoh. He used his visions given by God. They had all the food stored up. They were able to save the nation from famine. He was able to bring all of his family over. They were reconciled. Time for good. And we see that here, the time for good. And in the very next verse we see, now there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. We've talked about this before, that people got laxed in serving God, talking about how they became, how they were there today. So the new king did not know Joseph, did not know of this man, did not know he would have done, did not know of his connection with God and what that represented. And in verse 9, he said unto his people, Behold... Their people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal with them wisely, with them. Lest them multiply and come to pass that we are fallen out of any war. They will join also to our enemies and fight against us. So was get them up from the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens 
and built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Phantom and Ramses. All right, so let's, let's back up and look at this now. There was more of them, they were mightier than them, and there was a fear that they were going to become even more mightier, more in number, that they would join with their enemies, that the current administration would be overthrown. Now, first of all, let's look at the fact that there was more of them and they were mightier than them. If there was more, they had the numbers, they had the might. What was it that allowed them to become enslaved? It was fear. Because here we have a, a ruler, and whether that be a king, that be a pharaoh, that be a government, anytime there is someone that is in a position of power, there's automatically an intimidation factor. If you get around a judge, you get around a police officer, there's already a certain amount of shrinking back that you do, a little bit of nervousness because of what that position represents. We know that when it comes to positions of authority, there's also the ability to use force. Kings have armies. They have fighters. They have forces that they can use. And when you start looking at all these things, fear can take over. In reality, there were more of them. They were mighty in them. And most importantly, they are children of God. They are descendants of Joseph. They had the one secret weapon that defeats all, which was God. And that if they was to rise up, they had many things that would ensure them a victory. But yet, we see where no battle took place. We see where no resistance took place. It merely seems like they simply just succumbed to fear. And the other thing we want to look at is, is the opposing side. There was, there was no threat. And we see that there was no threat because there was no rising up. Even when their way of life was being taken from them, they did not rise up. They did not fight. So, theoretically... There was no chance of them trying to overthrow this king, to overthrow the curtain regime, to join up with any other kind of enemies. There was no threat. It was imaginative. But this is not anything new. Because we see that when Moses was born... He was in danger of being killed because the Pharaoh wanted all the boys chunked in the river. Wanted to do away with them because they didn't want to have that threat of someone growing up and rising to power. In Matthew 2 and 16, we see again, Herod, he was 
concern for Jesus coming up and taking his power, taking his authority. So what did he do? He ordered all the boys two years and younger to be destroyed. We have, there's other examples of administrations taking over other groups in fear of them losing their power. We see, there's just a couple examples here of rulers killing innocent children out of fear of losing their power. Let's go a little bit deeper here. What causes such a thing? We don't have God in our life. We don't have that Jesus-shaped whole field. Other things are going to fill it. Now, uh, we can use this for an example. This is fresh on everybody's head. Uh, we live, we're sinful. We're infected by sin. We live in a sinful world. And there's only one thing, there's only one vaccination that can take care of that, and that is Jesus. You have to have that dose of Jesus to be able to overcome sin and overcome this world. So if you don't have that, you keep getting sicker and sicker. Sin is a disease, it is a sickness, and it keeps infecting us and getting us sicker and sicker. We're under the earth's curse. Part of that is where we don't have enough. We are never satisfied because the one thing that is our provision, the one thing that makes us whole, the one thing that is our source of everything is God. We have to have him in our lives to fill that void, to be able to overcome that curse. So if we don't have that, we keep wanting more and more and more. So what happens is when we become rich, there's never enough. We always want more and more and more. You see all these people that have astronomical amounts of money, more than they can ever spend in a lifetime, and what are they trying to constantly do? Make more of it. They want that status. They want to be to say that I am the best, I am the richest, I hold the status. They keep trying to make more and more and more. And will go to great lengths and will harm whatever or whoever that gets in their way to accomplish these goals. When money's not enough, what do we seek? Power. We seek control. Because we're constantly looking for something else to keep trying to fill that void, to keep feeling that everlasting hunger. We've all seen the, the zombie movie. They're driven by a hunger that no matter how much they get, they always want more and there's always that drive, that basic need. That is what sin is. And we have that drive to want more and want more and want more to try to fill that everlasting void that we cannot filled by things of this earth that can only be filled by one thing, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. So, we keep battling on. We are highly divided right now as a nation, but not only as a nation, as a world. We are, are battling things here, but it's, you look everywhere else, and it's there too. It's a, a global pandemic, and I'm not talking about a virus. I'm talking about good versus evil, God versus Satan, heaven versus hell, the light versus the dark. It is a global scale right now.
It's always been there, but we are seeing such more evidence of it. We're seeing such a growth of it. We're seeing a head coming. And at the center of the division is fear. Satan wants to divide us. God wants to unify us. We have power when we come together. Our power is multiplied. Our prayers are multiplied. Our faith is multiplied when we come together. Satan does not want that. So what does Satan do? He divides us. He divides by race. He divides by religion. He's dividing by your medical choices. And it's all done by fear. Fear that you're not being treated right. Fear that someone else is getting better treatment than you. Fear that you've been mistreated. Fear that you're going to get sick. Fear that you're causing someone to get sick. It's all rooted in fear. Division. God designed us to all come together. So we can use our our differences, our different abilities to work as one unit, one body of Christ. And Satan is laying us down and he's chopping the body up into little bitty pieces. And we're becoming useless because we cannot work together. We cannot have someone to pick up the slack where we cannot do. We cannot let our skill set be passed on to someone else because we're not connected. We're not unified. The Israelites had everything taken from them, enslaved, designed to work. And what happens is that it gets worse. They take away their straw. Chapter 5 tells us they take away their straw. So not only do you have to keep making the same amount of bricks to be able to build all these things, now you have to go find the materials yourself to go do it. We want you to do more with less. And what do they do? They comply. And nothing's changed. They still had the numbers. They still had the mightiness. They still had God in the background. They weren't using him. They forgot about him. God had to come in just by their groans because they weren't using the power they already had. They weren't using the resources they already had in him. They didn't have no faith. They were buried in fear. And even when Moses rose up, and Moses overcame the, the fears that, that he had to get him in there, to get, do what he had to do. They come out and they're still wanting to turn around and run back because of the fear of the unknown, the fear of the wilderness, the fear of what was in front of them. What they knew looked better than the unknown. And see, that's where we struggle so many times with God is because with faith... We have to rely on the unknown. We have to believe in what we can't see. We have to hold on to a future that has not yet been seen. We have to rely that God is going to clear the path and take us there. So much fear. I got a pretty small congregation here, and I know many of you very well. Been together for a long time. And I was just... Uh, thinking about last night as I was going through the things of some of the, uh, the things that each one of us is coming through. Myself, I've had two surgeries. 
I had a horrible infection I had to have cut out. I had a long time of recovery from that. And then a little bit later, I had tumors growing in my neck. I had to get that cut now. Over there, we have a autoimmune disorder, a car accident. There was a couple cases of cancer. Had a couple of tumors. We've had heart conditions. We've had all these different things that's happened right here in this group. And they all have one thing in common. Nobody could see them coming. No one could do anything to prevent them. There's no vaccination that stops cancer. There's no special diet that can stop an autoimmune disorder. There's nothing we can do to prevent a tumor from popping up in a certain place. Accidents are unavoidable. Broken bones are unavoidable. That's why they are called accidents. And you know, we could even lock ourselves away in our rooms, in our houses, where we feel that we are safe and secure, and yet a trip over a rug can send us flying down the stairs. A fall could be detrimental. And then those diseases that don't require any kind of transmission. You know, cancer is not contagious. It's a defect. It's part of living in a sinful body that's not perfect anymore because it's been tarnished by sin. So things can go wrong with it. It's temporary. It's a temporary body. We're going to get a, a better one, a perfect one. Well, we've got to deal with what we got right now. But the thing is, there's some things that we cannot hide from. We cannot prevent. And you know what? That's okay. That is okay. Because we have God. And God can protect us from these things. We can be proactive in our prayer life. And we can start weeding out some of these things if we just ask God to help us. And then when we have to go through it, we have God to see us through it. To walk hand in hand with us and to carry us through when we can't walk anymore. We have God to do that. But it seems like that that has been forgotten. I feel very fortunate because I know God. I am a born-again believer. So that means quite a bit of things for me. Number one, I know that I'm forgiven. And I know that when I mess up, I can seek repentance. I can be forgiven again. That I'm allowed to, to be human and still grow and be loved by God. That's a fact. The Word tells me that. I know that I have the power to be healthy and to be whole and to be safe because the Word tells me that. I know that God has a purpose for my life 
And I know that He is helping me and seeing me through to that purpose. I know through every trial and tribulation there is light at the end of the tunnel because God is providing that light. These are facts. The Word tells me that and God cannot lie. I also know that God's answer is yes and amen. It may not always be on my timetable. It may not always be the way I want it. It may be difficult sometimes, but I know that God is there and God is answering prayers and he is helping me to my abundant end. I know that the worst thing that this world can do to me is take me out of it. Death is something that's coming to each and every person. And that is the ultimate end game. And that's the worst thing the world can do is take me out of it. But even at that, I know that there is a better place. The worst thing that could happen to me is I wake up in heaven. Because I know that is my final destination. Now, yes... Even though that I know this is my final destination, I know that I still have work here to do. There's many things to be done. There's people relying on me, and I want to make sure that I'm here to take care of all those things. Now, I'm not saying to be reckless. I'm not saying to be dangerous. I'm not saying to be foolheartedly. I'm not saying to be careless with your life. It is a precious thing. It is a gift, and each and every moment we have is a gift from God. I'm telling you to cherish, to enjoy, and make the most of it. But don't live in fear. Don't make it where every decision you make is made out of fear. There's a big difference between being fearful and being foolish. I'm not saying to be foolish, but I'm saying not to be fearful. To live life. God's going to allow us to go through things. God's going to let us be uncomfortable. He's going to make your heart flutter a little bit. He's going to make you have that pit in your stomach sometimes. But it's to help us to grow. It's to help us to build faith. It's to help us to have an abundant life. We can't get better. We can't grow if we don't stretch a little bit, have a little bit of growing pains. We have to do that. We are living in a world that is scared to death of a virus. We see that we have countless examples in the Word of God of people of power that's willing to do extreme things to gain or to hold on to power. Ain't nothing changed. And by my theory that sin grows each and every generation because we get Further and further away, we see evidence of it that people's life expectancy goes down. We see just examples of greater and greater sin each and every generation. We see moral decline. We see removal of God. We see all these things that point to, yes, sin is growing each and every year, each and every generation, each and every decade. So why is it the people of old that could do these heinous things? You know, they put our Lord and Savior up on a cross and they crucified Him to protect what they were doing, to protect their wealth, to protect their power, 
because this guy comes along and he's got a new way of thinking and telling the truth. So they get rid of him. The ultimate consensorship. Today that we just block our accounts and turn off our audio and, and stop people from talking. That's the ultimate consensorship. Stop this guy from talking. Little did they know it was all part of God's plan. And that's what we're dealing with today. But yet, we don't want to think that there's that kind of evil in the world. We don't want to think about Satan in charge, running amok, doing these things. But that is the fact. That people are so driven to fill those holes that they will do whatever it takes and sacrifice whoever they have to sacrifice to hold on to what they already have, what they already or what they what they want. We have people putting their trust in man. Man has never saved one soul. Man is only good at one thing, and that is screwing up what God has done. It started in the garden, and they've been doing it ever since. Screwing up what God has done. But yet we've been conditioned to watch the news, to read the papers, and believe whatever they say. We've been conditioned to take that position of power and hold it as a gospel because that's what we've been conditioned to say. Even though that God tells us in His own words, in the Word of God, He told him, He said, a king is a bad idea. That, that is not what you need. You need to follow me. But yet, no, we want a king. We're always looking for a person to tell us what to do, to tell us what's better. We don't even want to raise our own children anymore. We don't want to make decisions for them. We want to have someone that claims to be a professional to tell us what's best for our children. And what really got me this week is, is when these officials, they get up there and they try to use God to drive their point, to accomplish their goals. Just like the Pharisees, do as we do, do as we tell you, and we'll handle God. We forget how powerful our God is. There is no disease. There is no challenge. There is no anything that God can't handle, that God can't protect you from, that God cannot see you through. So why are we so willing to run to the ideas of man? Why is there such division? Why is there so much faith put into a product and that if you do not take this product that you're some kind of evil? There's such great division over it. It is a product of man. God can see us through. 
God can keep us healthy. God can keep us whole. And that's no matter what your medical decision is. If you find out you made the wrong one, seek God. Seek God. It's never too late. It's never too late. Don't focus on what you can see. Focus on your faith. Focus on what is the Word of God. What does God tell us? And it's never too late. Three guys hanging on a cross. Jesus and two others. One of them went to heaven with Jesus that day. It's never too late. We have got to focus on the problem. And it's not with each other. We're all brothers and sisters. Now sure, we're going to squabble from time to time, but we're not supposed to be at each other. We're not supposed to be against each other. We're not supposed to be so divided. We're supposed to come together. Our problem is with Satan. Our problem is with sin. Our problem is being so wrapped up in a world that we don't know what the word is, that we don't know what God is. We don't know who Jesus is. It is time to make a stand and make a change. Satan's that bully. And what he's doing is he's standing up there and he is looking big and he is looking strong and he's looking mean. But it's all show. It's all smoke and mirrors because we have the power. He's already been defeated. Jesus has already defeated him. It's done. We're already on the winning team. If you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're already on the winning team. Start acting that way. When you look out into the world, what do you see? I see a bunch of fearful, defeated people. Start out slow. Let's start off for our homework this week. Let's start looking at the little things. Look at the little blessings. Let's look at the little things and start letting them build up. Let's uh, let's reverse. We talked about how the little things, the little bad things, they they eat, eat at us. They get us one by one. They start building up, and then a big thing comes and just knocks us off our feet. Let's start doing that in reverse. Let's start looking at the little things, and let's every day. Let's count up the, the little things that were good in that day. What God did for us. And let them build up. And that way there, when the miracle comes, instead of knocking us off our feet, it's going to blow us up. It's going to fill us with faith. It's going to activate that power. It's going to make our light shine bright. We have nothing to fear. We have God on our side. With God, there is nothing to fear. Let's start acting that way.